Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Having been to Jerusalem a few times, one of the highlights for um, Episcopalians who go on that trip is to go into the upper room and to be in the place where Jesus' Last Supper is memorialized. Uh, For us, it's sort of a a somber occasion, Um, but for some church traditions, they connect it not so much with the Last Supper but with the arrival of Pentecost. And so you go in there and you hear this cacophony of voices in various language praying and speaking, similar to what we had just a few moments ago as Acts was being read. It is both beautiful and holy, and it's also a little bit disjointing, but so it is with the Spirit. I've been a part of churches that sometimes celebrate Pentecost with a birthday cake. The celebration of the cake rightly acknowledges that Pentecost is the day that the church, the body of Christ, is born. But it misses, as Jason Michelli notes, the necessity of Pentecost within God's history. Just as the resurrection is not just one more thing that happens to Jesus. The appearance of the church is not just one more thing that happens to those who follow Jesus. It is not an item in our history. Jensen reminds us of the church, the life of the church, is founded on two mysteries, the mystery of Holy Communion and the mystery of Pentecost. In other words, the body of Christ is not a metaphor, but it is a miracle, a creation from God, a creation birthed from baptism, a creation for which birthday cake doesn't quite cut it. And as Father Justin noted last week, it leaves me wanting to ask God, are you sure? Did you really mean to create this body of Christ out of baptism? Did you really mean to leave it up to us? Did you really want to breathe on us and say, receive the Holy Spirit and be my people in the world? We were recently told by some parents about a prepaid card that people can tie to task management. Perfect for parents. Way to manage chores and allowances. Here are your chores. Here's how much they're worth. And the money is automatically funded onto the debit card. Right? No more having to carry cash to hand out to your kids. It all seamlessly happens. And people can um, decide whether the child can sit there and go, yeah, I took out the trash, I walked the dog, I, you know, cleaned my room. Or parents can be the one who have to make those checks themselves. Well, I'm of the um, school of thought that, oh, I'm going to check that myself. I am not trusting my children to tell me they actually completed completed their tasks. 
And if I don't have that level of trust within my own family, I have a deep question, Jesus. Why did you leave the task of the church and the kingdom to us? What are you thinking? But Boltman said it this way, there is no faith in Christ, which would not also be faith in the church as the bearer of the gospel. There is no faith in Christ, which also does not have faith in the church as the one who is called to bear the gospel. This last Monday at Pub Theology, we reflected on um, a devotion written by Todd Brewer who said, uh, of the church through defective messengers, God's word is carried through the generations, through preaching and Bible studies, prophetic witness and conversation. But any close study of the church history should at least marvel that Christianity exists at all. Distressed by scandal, judgmentalism, abuse, exploitation, heresy, and sheer idiocy, the church has always been its own worst enemy. It's no wonder so many find the idea of the institutional church to be so repulsive, preferring to go it their own way with their own customized um, spirituality. God is bigger than the church, it is said, so why bother with the dross of used car salesmen term profits incense swinging prelates or inane preacher seemingly intent to bore the hearer to death. Hopefully not happening right now. Why bother with Bible thumpers, weirdos, merciless self-righteousness? Jesus is great, but my gosh, Jesus, you've got some horrible PR people. And yet, this is no accident the church has claimed. Pentecost is the Holy Spirit's intervention to delay the second coming. There's an uncomfortable truth that we find throughout our scripture that our past, including and especially our hurts, our scars, our failures, become the breeding ground for renewal and the place where God is birthed. Daniel Yang, um, in a book, shared his hesitancy um, as a refugee from Vietnam um, to return back to the land that his family called home. His father encouraged him to go. You should go. All that is in the past, God has taught us to love our enemies. Everything has changed. God brought us to America for a reason so we can help those who used to be like us. In other words, son, you're going to have to return to the place of persecution in order to give witness to the redeeming love of Christ. Yang wrote that cha Jesus changes the way that we view our past so that even with the most painful histories, we can have hope that everything is being made new. Or maybe as Joseph meant, when he said to his brothers that sold him into slavery, that which you meant for evil, God used for good. There's a Kenyan theologian, uh, Mugambi, who reminds us that good news is not theoretical, it is real. The good news rehabilitates lives and voices that have been marginalized through violence and persecution. Those who have suffered from natural and social diseases, their suffering is not in vain. The Holy Spirit makes the kingdom of God present whenever the king shows up, and our king is present with those who suffer. 
Someone said, I have seen the Lord more present in prison and the walks of migrants fleeing for safety and the survivors of political violence than I have almost anywhere else. Because Jesus offers a single promise as he ascends that he will send the Holy Spirit. That I will be with you until the end of the age. That I will not leave you comfortless, but I am sending you my Spirit. A spirit who creates a church that breaks down all social and human-made distinctions and barriers. The walls of hostility and separation are broken down by the Spirit, says St. Paul. Derwin Gray, a pastor out in North Carolina, notes that this spirit that is poured out on all ethnicities on Pentecost means that there is no outcast in the kingdom of God. None. And a few chapters later in Acts, Peter, who has sort of struggled with the inclusion of Gentiles into the church and to God's family, is in Antioch praying when he is told by God through the power of the Holy Spirit that all, in fact, means all. Pastor Derwin notes that Antioch, a Roman town which had uh, brought different ethnicities and races from around the empire searching for jobs and opportunity, is the place where the Spirit reveals that all means all. Historians say that there may have been as many 18 race riots in Antioch leading up to Peter's revelation. That different ethnicities and races fought and battled with one another as humans are tend to do in focusing on what divides us. But it is from the scars that God's kingdom of all for all is made clear to the apostle whom Jesus said, I will build my church on your witness. And it is for this reason that we have hope. N.T. Wright says that we are not oiling the wheels of a machine that is about to fall off of a cliff. That our spirit-filled work is not restoring a painting that is about to be thrown into the fire to be destroyed. That we are not planting rose bushes that will be dug up and planted in a place that we fly away to, as much of American Christianity talks about today. Rather, in the life of Pentecost, we are doing something that is part of God's new world. Speak this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.